thanks for joining me as I speak to Lisa Fraley. Lisa is a legal coach and attorney, and in the session, she is going to be walking us through legal considerations for online businesses and telemedicine. Super important topic, something that can be a real gray area for a lot of us. With Lisa, we're going to learn how does telemedicine apply to health and wellness practitioners, whether you're licensed or non-licensed. What legal documents do you need to put in place when you offer one-to-one -one services, also for licensed and non-licensed? And then finally, which legal documents do I need to run a group program or an online course? I love this conversation. I love that Lisa's out there demystifying these topics for us. And she's an entrepreneur that does it with a lot of heart and a lot of soul. So I will let Lisa take it away. Hey, Lisa, thank you so much for being here with me today. Nicole, thank you so much for inviting me to join you to talk about the legal implications of having a profitable online virtual wellness business. I'm just happy to be here and to share some legal tips and information and education to help people get pointed in the right direction as they expand their businesses online. Awesome. So in this kind of uh, COVID coronavirus climate that we're in right now, what are some things that um, practitioners should be thinking about? Can you kind of walk us through some of the considerations um, in this specific climate? Yeah, absolutely. So as you can imagine, so many people have reached out because they are really wanting to either take advantage of this COVID time as, as horrible as it is for everyone to be experiencing, but to really kind of dig deep and redirect their business to do more online. And I think for a lot of people who've been thinking about it, now's just been the time to start wanting to create some group programs or some online courses or video courses or work with people um, across Zoom or Skype or phone when they haven't done that previously and maybe they've only worked with people in person. So this is a really great time to get focused to expand. Now, as we dive in um, with me sharing some tips, I just want to let you all know this is informational and educational and just designed to share tips and helpful information. Um, it's not personalized legal advice in any way, though I wish it could be, but it can't. Um, and if you do have questions, you can always feel free to reach out to me or Nicole will be able to connect you to me as well. Um, and then the other thing I just need to say is that if you are a licensed practitioner with a medical office or with a medical practice and you're practicing medicine or practicing in your scope of practice under your license, what you need to do in the online space is very different than from functional medicine practitioners who are not licensed. So today we're just going to talk about functional medicine practitioners who are non-licensed and who are um, wanting to help people get to the underlying cause or the root issues pertaining to their health situation so they can optimize their health. So with that, we can dive in. Sound good? Yeah, sounds great. Just, uh, I'm here. I've got my notes. I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, and there are so many things to talk about. Where we're just going to hit the high points just in the interest of time. So if you're a functional medicine practitioner, often people want to work with people one-on-one -on -one across the internet or across Zoom or Skype or phone or whatnot. So again, we're not talking about licensed practitioners, but if you're a functional medicine practitioner or a nutritional therapy practitioner, or you're, you're wanting to work with people one-on-one, -on -one, you have questions about what you can do and what you can't do. So often what it comes down to is understanding what you're allowed to do in your state um, based on your state laws regarding giving nutrition advice. Now we know that 
functional medicine and nutritional therapy go way beyond just nutrition and include lots of other aspects of life. But around nutrition in particular, you want to make sure that you are focused on understanding what you can and can't do in your state as someone who is not a registered dietitian or a licensed nutritionist or who isn't um, practicing medicine under a license. So generally speaking, in many states, you are allowed to do one-on-one -on -one nutrition advice and give personalized recommendations to your client or gather personalized information from your client and come up with a protocol that's specific for them. We, in some states, you can't do that just yet. The country is still kind of restrictive and only would allow you to do some things in groups or online programs. And even in other, there are a few states that still even don't let you educate people. So be very clear and talk with the lawyer so you understand what to do before you dive in. But if you are in a state with, with very lenient nutrition laws, you can do one-on-one -on -one work. So that means you would be able to receive, um, you would be able to issue, create a, a nutrition assessment. You'd be able to tell them to give you a food journal. You could take a look at what they're eating, what they're doing. You could take a look at every aspect of their life in their intake form and be able to create a recommended protocol, nutrition plan, supplement plan, et cetera. You would be able to do lab tests as long as you aren't interpreting those lab tests to give medical advice. And there are some restrictions around lab tests in some states. So again, make sure you're talking to a lawyer about doing the actual lab testing. But in general, you're allowed to gather information from your client and create a personalized plan. This is really exciting because if you're a functional medicine practitioner, again, not licensed, but a functional medicine practitioner, we, for better or for worse, right now, if you're a health coach or a wellness coach or a functional medicine practitioner, we're not considered medical providers. We're not considered medical oh. practitioners, which means that you aren't, in most cases, subject to HIPAA requirements. Because health coaches are um, integrative or uh, collaborative, but we aren't ourselves in the medical profession or in the medical field. Health coaches and functional uh, medicine practitioners, again, those without licenses aren't licensed, right? We are there to provide support and guidance and help and information and education to the client to help them optimize their health and focus on wellness. Right, so that is the most important thing is to be very clear about what kind of state you're in around one-on-one -on -one work and whether you are allowed to do personalized recommendations and personalized um, protocols and feedback and supplement plans for your client. Now, if you're in some states that are a little bit more restrictive around nutrition, you might still be able to do a group program or an online course or a DIY or done for you type of video course or informational course or audio course um, or you know an audio guide with PDF, that type of thing. And in those states, again, we're talking about non-licensed practitioners. In those states as a functional medicine practitioner, you could create um, a program around how to um, eat a keto diet or a paleo diet or a vegan diet. You could, you could help people understand um, maybe six pillars of health and understand how each one affects them around sleep, exercise, diet, spirituality, uh, relaxation, like, you know, stress reduction, all, all of the areas that we think about when we think of functional medicine, not just the food. So you could create a video course or a six-week course with modules and educate people and have them follow along or participate in a group forum on Zoom or Facebook group or something like that. As long as you're not 
practicing medicine without a license. So you're not focusing on disease, but rather you're focusing on wellness. Okay. So you wouldn't necessarily say, uh, I'm here to help you overcome your fibromyalgia. You would actually talk about, I'm here to help you have more energy and regain your health and wellness. So in groups and online courses, there's a little bit more freedom in most states to be able to offer those courses because they're not one-on-one. -on -one. They don't have a one-on-one -on -one element and you're not worried about violating nutrition, dietetics laws, or violating the practice of medicine there. And then in, in almost all states, you can do education. You can do educational courses. You can do educational components. You can write books. You can create DVDs. You can create online courses. You can do downloadable products. You can sell candles and journals and products through your website. But you can do educational components that, where you're really just teaching people concepts about health and wellness. Um, so I like to say in that instance, if you could go on TV on the morning news and talk about some aspect of health, like why you should eat more leafy greens or why you should drink more water or why you should increase um, relaxation, particularly in this stressful period of coronavirus, uh, that's educational and it's not specific towards a particular person. That's just educational. So that is something that you could do too. So really, in a nutshell, what it comes down to is understanding your state laws around nutrition and what you can and can't do around one-on-one -on -one work, around group programs and online courses, and then around downloadable or products uh, that you sell through your website. Awesome information. And like, so my question really is around um, when you say state licensing or what the state, yeah, um, like state, state regulations are, is that the state that you live in currently? Great question. Yeah. Great question, Nicole. Like, how so, does it work about working with people from other countries or other states? How do we great kind of question. that? Okay, so there's several things that you want to do. First, you want to make sure that if you have a business, you've registered your business in the state where you're primarily based. We call that the state where you have your principal place of business. Okay. So I know a lot of people like to have nomadic businesses and kind of move around, but you do actually have to declare one particular place as your business office. And whatever state you declare that business office in would become your principal place of business where you register your business locally with your county government, city government, sometimes, and well, usually city government, sometimes county and sometimes state. So after you do that, Nicole, you've determined where your business is based. Then if you're working with a one-on-one -on -one client, you would use what I call a client agreement. Sometimes it's called a program agreement, but you would wanna make sure that you've outlined your functional medicine practitioner program. You wanna make sure that you're saying what your services are, how much they cost, what happens if someone asks for a refund, all of your medical disclaimers, your limitations of liability. It's a contract that you sign and your client signs. Again, this is for people who do not have licenses as a medical practitioner, but for coaches and functional medicine, NTPs, um, who are practicing in more of a coaching context, you have a client agreement you both sign. Nicole, in that client agreement, there should be a section which says governing law. What does that mean? It means that you're saying, hey, when we work together, you, I'm in this state and you might be in a different state, but the law that's going to govern our relationship, the law that's going to apply to our relationship is going to be the law of my state where my business is based. And that's how you've already agreed in advance in your contract whose law applies. If you're in Kansas and your client's in Ohio or you're in New York and your client's in the Bahamas, like it, it's really based around where your business is based 
for the most part. There are some other laws you have to follow as well, but that helps determine whose law applies in a, a client situation. And you have to follow your state that you're in, even if their state is a little less restrictive, correct? That's correct. Yes, okay. that's right. Because you're, you're declaring that Pennsylvania, my Pennsylvania laws will always override. Well, it will override it because you're saying in your client agreement that you're choosing your state laws. Okay. So I'm trying to keep this fairly um, high level. But yeah. what happens is when you have a conflict with a client, it, the question of whose law applies, it's called choice of law. Whose law do you choose to use? So you can, you, you, you can choose usually the law of your state, the law of their state, or the law where a transaction takes place, which is harder to pin down when you're doing something electronically, right? There's no like third state where it took place. So what generally the reason why you want to have the law of your state applies because you can show you have a nexus to that state, you have a connection to that state, and your business is based there. And also it's a closer venue for you so that if a court case, heaven forbid, were to arise, you don't have to travel to that state to be able to resolve the dispute. Okay. okay, so be very clear about what your state laws say on the front end and make sure that that's consistent with where your business is based. That's typically how it's done, Nicole. There's always exceptions, but typically that's how it's done. And where would um, someone find out this kind of state regulation information? Is this, would you, you know, yeah. work with a lawyer to find yeah. this out or is it easily access accessible online? There are several ways. So there's some resources I can share with you. Um, I do have a new um, masterclass, DIY legal masterclass coming out on state laws. So that can be found. Um, it will be found on my website at lisafraley.com slash DIY masterclass. You can also go to a couple of websites to look up your state law. I do recommend that you talk with a lawyer though because the way the state laws are worded sometimes doesn't easily, it doesn't say like, if you're doing a one-on-one -on -one program, do this. If you're doing a group program, do this, right? So make sure you talk to a lawyer who understands what you do. But you can go to holisticcouncil.org and check the state law and policy to find the law of your state written in plain English. This is a really great website for just awesome. a high level summary. Mm -hmm. The other one is a website that a lot of people know and used to be called nutritionadvocacy.org, but it's now called the, T-H-E-A-N-A.org slash advocate. Um, and that's where you can find more detailed information about the state laws. That's where people are used to hearing the map that used to have red, orange, yellow, and green states on it. And they would talk about whether they're in a red state. Yeah, or yeah, I've heard this before. It shifted a little bit. Now there's only three colors of red, yellow, and green. So yellow is different now than what it used to be, which is why I recommend talking to a lawyer. I also do free 20 minute legal chats to help you. If I can help you or to point you in another direction to help you get clear about this. Great, and I'll put all the links that we talked about below the video so people can grab those pretty easily. Um, have you seen states like loosening the regulations during yeah. COVID times? Have you, what's ah. the trend that you're noticing? Okay, well, first I thought you said have you been noticing states loosening regulations? So the first answer is yes. Thanks to Jonathan Posey and lots of schools um, and other lobbying efforts, there have been states that have changed color in the past few years from oh, wow. restrictive to non-restrictive. So mm -hmm. North Carolina was what we call a red state and now they're green. There's still some exceptions of things you can't do, but it's much more lenient. The state of Maine went from red to green. I think New Hampshire, Florida is getting ready to go from red to green. Not yet, not yet, not until um, later this summer, early fall. 
that range because COVID kind of pushed things back a little bit. But um, so yes, the state laws do change. And what, what I think is so important to emphasize to people is that the law is actually like the human body, right? Like the law can feel so amorphous and overwhelming and confusing, but it's kind of like the human body, right? Where you are today is not where you were five years ago. And the law is the same way. Where the law is today may not be the same way it was last year and may not be in the same place next year. It changes as legislative sessions come in and out of session. It changes over time. So, so what I always want is for you as a holistic or functional medicine practitioner to feel empowered about knowing where to go and how to find the law so that you can understand this information and not let it slow you down or stop you. You just wanna get clear first before you go out and create all your programs and launch things to the world. Right, and that seems, um you know, a very empowering message for everyone. And I'm surprised to hear just as I'm listening to you, because this is not a world that I've dove into for several years. It's something that I was kind of um, more into, I won't get into, but just based on another business that I had where I was working more one-on-one with people. Now I do websites and branding, so I don't really have to worry about so much the like nutrition and labs and is it like if you're about hip or not, but um, I'm surprised to see that things have actually become a little bit more- a little less restrictive than I remember even five years ago. So just exactly. Well, that's thanks to Jonathan and, and other efforts to really try to make it be more lenient and open. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. This is awesome but, stuff. I just, I kind of want to just leave with one question. This is sure. the last thing that I'll ask you. Okay. And it's really just a question around um, COVID specifically. Okay. And Great. a lot of practitioners, whether they're functional medicine practitioners, nutritionists, want to create content around coronavirus, but there's a lot of um, like uh, censorship stuff going on. Do you have any tips around how people, what kind of content that people can create? Or I guess a better question is how to protect yourself when you're creating content around coronavirus. Oh, big breath, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> right? I know a lot of people are wondering this. How do I actually, Yeah. how do I connect with potential patients and clients and how do I educate on this topic without being completely scared of it. Right. I know. Okay. So for the purposes of our conversation here, we're going to set politics aside. Okay. Okay. So this is not a political commentary. This is not a political argument. This is not, I can, I'm a lawyer. I can argue either side of anything, but let's just, please, we'll just move the politics to the side of how you feel about coronavirus, how you feel about it being real, not real. Right. Yeah. Just, we're going to move that over there. What we're gonna talk about is if you are a practitioner who wants to teach people about either how to keep yourself safer, how to boost your immune system, how to bolster um, your health during this time, whatever the case may be, one of the things that I wanna make sure people do is that if they're talking about things like bolstering their immunity, that they're not making medical claims. So I do have a Mm. podcast episode called How Not to Make Medical Claims. Mm, Um, And that's, you can find that lisafreely.com slash episode 74 is in episode 74. Mm. I also have a legal masterclass that goes into that in greater depth and gives a lot more examples. But this is basically telling you how to talk about teaching people how to boost their immunity, but not saying, take this and it will prevent you from getting coronavirus or take this and it will reduce your risk of getting coronavirus. Because you can't make those medical promises that you will or will not get a disease or that your client will or will not get a disease. But you can teach things of what people can do to boost their immunity or bolster their immunity without making a medical claim. So that's the most important thing, I think, Nicole. The second thing I'll say is, With regard to censorship, um, 
I am personally a proponent of speech, so long as it doesn't infringe on the rights um, or harm other people, which is generally how the First Amendment is interpreted in our country. There's variations over who decides what's offensive or harmful to people, but overall, I'm personally a fan of free speech. Recognizing that, we are aware that there is censorship that occurs online by some of the um, platforms out there. So just use caution and full conscious awareness. Like I'm an attorney who aligns legal steps with the chakras and brings energy into the work. So I want whatever you do to be something where you feel fully aligned with it. And if it is part of your life's work to speak out in a way that may be perceived as contrary or aggressive or negative, obviously you may not be wanting to be that way, but someone may view you that way, be aware that your work could be censored, right? If you're someone who um, believes in putting an alternative view out there, that's totally fine. Just be aware that you could be censored. The only other thing I'll say is that I do recommend, my job is to help people stay safe and to reduce risk. So there are ways to advance information without making yourself a target of censorship. There are ways to talk about um, protecting and, and enhancing your health without slamming the medical industry or slamming pharmaceuticals directly. Again, if that's your mission and that's your life work, go for it, megaphone and all, but just be aware of the risk that you might take. Otherwise, there are ways to also make your argument without having to be quite so direct in your messaging. Everyone has their own choice that they can make, but I just don't want people to feel muffled completely. I just want you to understand it's all about risk. Mm -hmm. That was beautiful and very powerful, empowering, um, just the whole message. I think that this is a place I said to Lisa before we started recording this interview, you know, that this, the legal is definitely a gray area for me. Um, yeah. And I'm sure that is for a lot of people, a lot of people watching this too. So I think in a very short period of time, you managed to distill a lot of really good concepts um, for the people listening and also some great resources to jump into too. So we've got your podcast, we've got the DIY masterclass, uh, 20 minute, just a 20 minute uh, calls with you. Yeah. Um, consultations. So there are some great places for you guys to get started with Lisa, learn some more. And um, those other links, the Holistic Council and um, the Advocate website, I'll put those yeah. down below too if people want to check them out. Fabulous. So anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up here? Um, no, the only other thing I'll add is that one of the things I'm most well known for is actually do-it-yourself legal templates. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who needs a client agreement for your one-on-one -on -one clients or terms of use for your group program or online course or website documents, right, Nicole, like your website disclaimer and website terms and conditions and privacy policy, I do have do-it-yourself templates that you're welcome to also access through my website. Uh, lisafraley.com slash DIY legal templates. And that's another resource for you to get easy, customizable legal templates that are already designed for holistic practitioners with a lot of medical disclaimer language, limitation of liability language. You just download them and fill them out and they're easy to purchase right there for my site. So that's that the only thing I got. Awesome. That's so awesome. Thank you so much, Lisa, for being here with us. It has been such a pleasure having you on uh, talking with me. You're welcome. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for inviting me. Thanks so awesome. much. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being here with us. I hope that in this session, you learned something um, impactful and something powerful that's going to help transform your business. Before I leave, I just wanted to let you know that this session was sponsored by my business, Brand Better. 
branding, websites, funnels, and more for the wellness entrepreneur. If you want to learn more about my business, you can head over to brandbetter.online to find out more. And I also wanted to make sure to invite you to join me on Friday, the last day of the conference, July 3rd, for a half-day masterclass where I'm going to help you put this all together, the Wellness Business Accelerator, and make sure that we take all of the great concepts that you just learned in all of these amazing presentations with these great rock star speakers and make a plan for your business. So it's going to be live and interactive. Check out your email to make sure what time it is on Friday, but it is going to be a live half-day masterclass. So I hope that you join me. I'd love to see you there. We're going to get some really good work done and make sure that we take all of these concepts and they're not just these, you know, just sit and watch and take some notes and not actually employ any of these strategies. I want to make sure that these are real actionable things that you put in your business. So join me there on Friday, go over and check out brandbetter.online to learn more about my business. And I'll see you on the next interview. Bye.